Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dove and Rose podcast. This is Walter Emerson. I'd like to talk today about the introduction to my book, Journey to Christendom, The Freedom Dance. That was the first book that I wrote way back in 2008. And I'm currently posting that chapter by chapter on my substack at uh, doveandrose.com. So that's for paid subscribers only because I do sell my books on Amazon. So uh, we uh, to put them over on my Substack, there is a paid uh, subscriber uh, request in order to access those. But along with that subscription, we you have the ability to comment, the ability to join the chat on the app, and we can we can talk about these chapters if you uh, would would like. And so I posted the foreword uh, a week or so ago and just recently posted the first half of a rather lengthy uh, introduction. And I was looking through a little bit beyond that today at, at sort of the whole section, what will be coming out over the next month or so in terms of the first four or five chapters. And you know, I thought it might be worthwhile to sort of um, maybe step back and encompass all of that in this discussion uh, of the introduction as we as, as I begin putting out the introduction. So again, Journey to Christendom, the Freedom Dance, is that writing that began. It, it started everything. It's it's the really the root of everything I've been doing for the past 15 years of developing the my devotion to St. Joan of Arc and to St. Therese of Lisieux and to their combined hearts and to the development of the phenomenology that I used to express that. And of course, intermingled with the metaphysics and teachings and dogma and doctrines of the Catholic Church. So it's quite a little array and so over time, if you join me and join the uh, the paid subscriber or, or go to Amazon and buy the books, uh, you can follow along in this progression over time because I have a number of books and my intention is to post each week and to kind of go through book book by book and so we can we can talk about them. And I think, you know, if you go back and listen to uh, my earlier podcast, uh, this is what I've been talking about is this, it, the, the key fundamental, uh, you know, I guess, theme of, of all these podcasts has been this moment with St. Joan of Arc back in 2008 when I had... What, what, what I might call, I've called it a number of different things, a divine glance, to use Therese's words uh, that she used in her uh, consecration to uh, merciful love, uh, which is that beautiful prayer she wrote, as well as uh, referring to it as an unreflective certainty, which is a phrase I got from St. Edith Stein out of her uh, phenomenological, her context as a phenomenological uh, philosopher. And I might add, you know, one more that I've been coming across because, you know, I do, you know, I do study uh, philosophy and particularly phenomenology because that, that's really been the, you know, the mode 
the, the avenue that I've been using, the tool I've been using to really, you know, bring forward this discussion about what happened in the fall of 2008 when, when I had this moment with Joan of Arc. And so a, another word that I might, uh, or another phrase I might use would be called a radical encounter. So I'll throw that into the mix as well. Now, the reason I say that is because, you know, studying phenomenology, um, you know, it's, it's very difficult to study phenomenology and not study the, the work of Martin Heidegger. <laughs> and even though he was not a, you know, a Christian, he was not, a, he left the church. He's not someone that we look to for moral guidance or for theological guidance, certainly. But he, he, he is remarkable in his contribution to the field of phenomenology, which is where Edith Stein came out of uh, her mentor, Edmund Husserl, who really developed modern day phenomenology, was also uh, Heidegger's a mentor as well. And and so the reason I mention that is in, in looking through his writings and looking through the commentaries on his writing, this phrase sort of came up about, you know, radical knowledge, you know, radical understanding, radical comprehension, meaning really precognitive, preconceptual. Uh, so for example, when you, when we wake up in the morning, we just we just know that everything is. We look around and we don't have to start conceptualizing and developing rational syllogisms to try to understand that that the, the world is all around us. It, it just is. And it's something that, and, and the way we go about in the world is based upon that understanding that, that did not come through rational thinking. It did not come through, um, you know, pure cognition. It's it's what um, William Richardson calls in his commentary on Heidegger, uh, you know, sort of a precognitive. And so that's another word I want to kind of throw in because that that's another way of describing that moment that I had with St. Joan of Arc. It was a divine glance. It was a moment where something happened. I just knew. I, I just I just knew. There was something powerful about the person of Joan of Arc that uh, came to me, and it was through the voice of St. Therese, as I've said many times. And again, unreflective certainty is another way to put it, and uh, a radical encounter, radical meaning precognitive. And so ra we tend to think of radical as like, well, it was really, wow, it was really intense. Yes, it was, but it was also what I would call an immediate, uh, it was something that I simply knew in the way that we simply know the world is when we wake up in the, in, in the morning. So that's put me, when something like that happens, it obviously puts you in a position of saying, what, what was that? And how do I go forward and... Um, it was clearly a what we might I might call in my old terminology a subjective experience. It was a moment of experience that I had, and but it was something very real, something that I needed to share. Not that your experience of a similar thing would be exactly like mine. No, that's sort of that whole subjective objective thing but that it was real. It wasn't just something that was unique to my personality or something like that, that there was a real 
need to tell people about a, a, a reality, but a reality that had come to me, you know, subjectively. And, and that really became the core challenge. That became the core question for me that, that has driven me through all these 15 years is how do I explain or how do I give this, this message that there's something that I think you know, everyone should know or that uh, maybe has perhaps has been given to me as, as a gift to tell everyone, and, and yet I can only explain it through my experience of it, through my radical comprehension of the moment. And so, so how, do, how, do, how do you do that? And thankfully, it was right after that that, you know, I believe Divine Providence introduced St. Edith Stein into my work and my writings because then I, then I was able to start looking at this through her lens, which led me to studying, you know, phenomena and, and realizing that it was through phenomenology that I needed to explain this while at the same time hanging on to my dogmatic understanding of my Catholic faith. And so that, that sort of long, you know, prelude there is, is really what I wanted to bring up with regard to what we're seeing in these opening chapters uh, of of my book. You know, I began with the forward with that began with Joan of Arc and tell about so clearly Joan of Arc is going to lead this. So when you read the forward, and, I, and I've got another podcast out there talking about this, you know, she's going to lead the way. That, that was clear that it opens with Joan of Arc, <laughs> and. Now I'm starting to release the introduction, but there's also a few more chapters that will come over the next few weeks that are basically make up the first section, the the opening section of the book. And, you know, as I reflected on that and looked at the entire section, I could see that what I've what I've been talking about is precisely the the ground that the book is laying at this point. Now it's not an academic book, and you'll know that as soon as you read it. It's, it's not an academic book. It's, I think, fairly easy to read. Um, it's, it's not overly complex. But I think that there are things hidden. I think there are expressions that are tucked away, that are waiting for you to uncover, that are waiting for you to open them up and, and see what they say uh, to, uh, to you. And you know, one of the things that I, I realize is you'll you'll hear me as you go through that first as, as it goes through that first section. You, you'll see that it's it's on the one hand there are these very sort of dogmatic statements about the faith and the church, and and you know expressions of you know this this is right and this is wrong and this is where we ought to go and this is what we ought to avoid. Um, oh, okay, um, and and that's really driven from an enthusiasm, a burning desire to share n- not just the experience that I've had, but the dogma of the faith. So I'm wanting to share that dogma of the faith, even if that's something a lot of times people don't want to hear. So, so there's a lot of that, but, but, then, but then I'm putting into that discussion more subjective-sounding experiences 
where I'm interpreting things that are happening in my life. Like, you know, I go through and, and we're visiting a church and where they're going to, the cardinal is going to uh, bless an icon of Our Lady. And, and, and it's a big event with a lot of people. And I get there not early enough. There's not enough parking. I'm going to have to go blocks away and, you know, downtown Chicago. And all of a sudden, right in front of me, immediately in front of me, a car just pulls out. And in the midst of this hugely packed parking area, uh, a place just opened up. And I make a commentary about how I took that as a very personal message between, you know, me and the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, now, my point in bringing that part of the story is why why did why is that isn't that just something I made up in my head? Uh, am I expecting people to believe that? What is the basis upon which I'm assuming this subjective, you know, interpretation of the events? And you, you, you see this as you go through the first section that I'm, I've got, I'm making these dogmatic statements. You know, I'm saying, you know, here's here's the dogma of the church. On the other hand, let me let me tell you what happened. And I'm expecting you to believe what I'm saying. I'm expecting you to believe these subjective interpretations of events in my life. So the question then, which, which drove me to continue writing is, how can I expect people to do that? I want to convey this as a real event, a, a real uh, manifestation of being, so to speak, in the phenomenological sense, That's, that something very real, something associated with being itself, with, with, with God, with heaven, has happened, and yet feeling how how can i expect people to accept what i'm saying and so my journey then became less being concerned with whether you actually accepted it or not and more with the questions that that raises if that makes any sense so it actually raised questions where I said, I, I, you either believe me or you don't. You either accept my premise. Um, you either accept that, that it was divine providence that opened that parking space for me uh, or, you, or you don't. And I have no way to, pr to prove it one way or the other. But again, I became less interested in whether you believed or whether I had a way of, of convincing you but there was there was a deeper question. There was something much more fundamental, which is, how does all this work? How, how does how does this work? And what's what's the process by which I can evaluate how to communicate the enthusiasm I have for the dogma, the doctrines of the faith, and what I feel is a true something truly happened to me, something that needs to be shared with the world, and yet why would any of you pay attention to it? Why would any of you feel the need to pay attention to it? 
So again, if you kind of understand what I'm saying, is it really led to a deeper, there was a deeper question. And it was one that, that was, it was a call for me to go on a journey. So the, the book is, when you read that opening section, it's less about trying to get you to believe what I'm, what I'm saying, so to speak. It's, it's less about that. Like you're supposed to, you know, I'm telling you things and you're supposed to believe them when you read the book. It's really less about that and it's really more about, it's the beginning of my journey that the way that the book opens the way the way that it 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 kind of goes forward is a way of opening me up and so even in toward the end of the first section before the very final before the the chapter 5 that ends that first section i make a comment about how the, uh, the kind of the doors to my heart were unlocking and that my heart was beginning to open up so I could speak more from the heart and less from the, I don't want to say less from the intellect, but really speaking more from my heart. And then, of course, the one thing I lacked was really courage, which is is why Joan of Arc, you know, it was really Joan that brought me the courage and brought me the ability to, you know, step forward and, and, and do that. And that's really what the first first section is about. So as we go through, you know, kind of think about that because, you know, on the surface it may sound like, well, I'm telling you that this is the way, you know, the, you need to believe like this. And, you know, things happen to me that are, you know, sub- subjective interpretations. And I'm expecting you to believe, you know, all that. And... I mean, to a certain degree, you know, I was. I mean, that's why I wrote it. I was kind of, to a certain degree, expecting that. But, but as I was expecting you to believe that, I was realizing the difficulty, if not impossibility, but the difficulty of actually doing that. And what questions that raised, because I said, I need to do this, but I don't feel that this is an adequate way to do it. You know, so there's, there's a lot in the first book where you can see that I'm rooted in a, a very Cartesian subject-object dualism, which is something, if you've listened to my other podcast, you know that this is something I, 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 moved, away, I moved away from. Phenomenology helped to move me away from that, uh, particularly the later phenomenologists after Husserl, like, like Heidegger and Merleau-Ponty and people like that, who very much, you know, uh, uh, took on Descartes and that subjective, objective uh, dualism to show that, you know, I, as a person, I'm not a subject interpreting the world out there and needing to somehow convince you that my interpretation is the right interpretation, that it's actually something very different than that. It's about receiving the world. It's about letting the world speak for itself. It's about letting the things speak for themselves. And so, uh, we'll get into that as we go through. Uh, we go through later. But you can see that because I, I, I even as I look back over it, I look through and say, "Boy, there's all this subjective, objective." talk I do in this first book, you know, 15 years ago, I don't speak like that anymore. 
And it's because I've kind of I've kind of moved beyond that in a phenomenological sense. And so you'll see that as you go through the book and, and you know, kind of think about that. I, I, I look at that and I look at some of the ways that I was describing events from a subjective versus objective and all that. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm really looking back to see that what, what I'm what I'm the message I'm getting in looking back in uh, reflection and retrospection in looking back on this journey is how grounded I how grounded I was in you know the, the wrong soil so to speak or you know how how problematic was my grounding which is that grounding most all of us are grounded in the world is grounded in which is that sort of cartesian subject object dualism and so you know don't don't get too hung up on you know how you feel about that but you know i can look back and say i i was right off the bat you can see that what i was i was writing wrongly (laughs) but that ended up being the whole point you know i was writing wrongly because i was grounded in the wrong point of view I, I i was grounded in the wrong uh shall we say precognitive the wrong sort of preconceptual understanding that that understanding that 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 is preconceptual that forms the foundation from which we develop rational conceptual thinking that i was grounded in something and perhaps incorrect i you know we could debate this all day but, but maybe just say rather than incorrect, that it was it was inappropriate for what I needed to do. It was not the ground I needed to be in in order to describe what I wanted to describe. So I looked and I said, wow, you know, really, that that's where I was. No wonder I was struggling. And no wonder the book takes off the way it does. So I like to say I I wrote it wrongly, but that was the that ended up being the point, <laughs> uh, not one that I knew uh, at the time, but one that I think the Lord and our Holy Mother was was guiding to show me. So I encourage you to read it because I wrote it wrongly. <laughs> and um, that may sound funny, but uh, actually it's, it's a demonstration of what you're really seeing in that opening is, okay, here comes the explanation. Here's what I want to say. Ah, it's just... It's it it needs something. <laughs> it it seems to be bound by something that's not quite freeing it yet. And as I look back, that's really really what it is that you will see as you go forward in that book. And what you'll see as you go forward in that book is the beginning of the opening of my heart, the, the beginning of phenomenological descriptive interpretation. But it won't be until further in future books, and for me, many years down the road, that it will begin to flower into a much, you know, where now I'm really communicating from a very different soil, a very different foundation. So I hope you'll jump in and and enjoy and and kind of take it, uh, receive from it what, uh, what it's offering, you know. Uh, don't try to read more into it than what's there. Uh, just kind of receive it for what it's offering. 
So th- that's a general comment about not just the introduction, but about the introductory section of the book is that it's, it's, you see these sort of two different, uh, these very objective dogmatic statements and these very subjective expectations I have for you to believe. And you're going, well, that, I, you know, I can't, who says I'm supposed to believe that? And I was, that was the same problem I had. Why would anyone believe this? And so then it became, okay, I'm not as worried about whether people believe it or not, but why does this problem exist? <laughs> why, why does this, this whole issue exist that I'm having trouble communicating it? That really became the, the ultimate uh, question. And that's what began the journey for me. So I hope you'll jump in and, and enjoy it. And uh, so there, there's a lot more in there. Like I said, there are expressions and things I think that are kind of hidden in there. Uh, that you you can touch and, and try to bring out. And um, so, you know, jump in, join, and you'll be seeing more chapters as they come out. And I appreciate the support and I appreciate um, all of you listening and all of you that are participating, and I hope you're blessed by it. We'll see you next time. Take care. Bye-bye.